in what sense did death exist prior to the fall? When they took of the tree of knowledge and evil, automatically the sustainer of life had gone. The cosmos completely changed when they ate from that particular tree. As humans, yes. when they had, had children, they're probably thinking, what are these? We've made a mistake. <laughs> Send them back. <laughs> Theology for the Furious is ready to rock. Welcome everybody to Theology for the Curious. My name's Pete Golding and you will be listening tonight to the wonderful tones of Brian Turner and Nigel Byrne. Uh, it's tonight because that's when we're recording it, but you might be listening to this in the morning thinking I ain't listening to anybody tonight, I'm listening to them in the morning. That is totally fine and we hope you've been enjoying these podcasts because as we said last week, this is the start of a new series for us. We finished our mammoth series on uh, offensive words and we started last week talking about a new series called off the wall the reason we called it that was because we're trying to deal with subjects that you will not hear preached on very much and probably never hear in a in a pulpit and we started last week with the subject of the divine council Uh, and if you're thinking what on earth is that then i invite you to have a listen to last week's uh, and you can very much get in touch with us on that uh, with your own thoughts and questions but this week we're going to look at the tree of life and uh, this was introduced to me in a small group when uh, a friend of mine asked me a question about the tree of life and then said this is what i believe and uh, i'll go into that later as we unpack this but it was the beginning of me thinking you know i have never thought about the tree of life or had any kind of uh, conviction about it other than there it is in the garden never really thought what its purpose was what it was doing there Uh, i mean i just knew that yes it had the tree uh, of life and that you partake of that you live forever and blah blah and it was a tree that there was allowed to eat but that was it so uh this is a great opportunity to look into it and i have my experts on the tree of life with me bright (laughs) nigel bird they're both looking at me blank uh, desperately trying to find anything at the moment they can find their hands on about the tree of life. Let me start, guys, with some questions. You ready for this? Uh, and uh, we can take this one at a time. And you can just give me your gut feeling on it, okay? Did Adam and Eve possess eternal life inherently? And what I mean by that is, did they have to eat of the tree to continue living an eternal life? See, this is what I'm saying. This is why we are completely flummoxed by these kinds of questions, right? Think about this. Were they reliant on the tree of life to sustain a quality of life? Did the tree have life in and of itself, or was it merely a sign or a sacrament to that true eternal life in God? I guess, basically, uh, it says in in him we live and move and have our being, don't we? Yeah. And I'm sure that was just the same then. So, yeah, the, uh, God is the, the source of all life, isn't it? Not a tree. Hmm. Whether that symbolised it yeah. or not for them, I don't know. But Yeah, I, I would take to the hold to the opinion that the tree was not this physical tree that they ran down and ate some apples once a day to keep, keep them in touch with God. I think it's a metaphor for something. It's a symbol to, to keep close to God in all things, and he sustains you. He's the sustainer of everything. 
Exactly. So was that any different to any other tree? Because you know in Genesis, God says to Adam and Eve, of all the trees in the garden you may eat. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the stuff, uh, as as the authors of Genesis is, is trying to um, put across, look, the Jews knew exactly snakes don't talk. They do that. Mm. It's a metaphor for something, as we spoke about it. Need I mention it on the Divine Council only last week? <laughs> but but basically, I, I would I would definitely say that these things are all metaphors. The tree is the sustainer. That's life. Who's life? As Nigel correctly says, God is the one thing that sustains everything. We're sitting here tonight, and if God took His eye off His creation, we no longer exist. He's the sustainer. See, see, in my thinking, for years, I think as a Christian, I was of the opinion that Adam and Eve were given an eternal life that God gave them, independent of anything. And the moment they sinned and fell, they then sought to go to the tree of life, which God stopped because he thought, well, if you eat of that tree, you will then be eternalized or fixed in that fallen state. I never imagined that the eating of the tree enabled them to somehow sustain the life but in, and this is where it's like they didn't eat the fruit to remain. Well, they didn't eat the fruit to remain uh, eternally alive because otherwise you'd say, well, then they were independent of God. Yeah, isn't it? Aren't the two trees? Yes, there's tree of life and a tree of, of the knowledge of yes. Evil. So let's let's put to one side the knowledge of evil because I understand that tree. I do understand that tree that that implied what they ought not to do, and that was the gateway to fallenness and one thing and another. All right. I'm thinking of the tree of life. You see, when I had this conversation with this friend of mine, maybe wrongly, I came away thinking, as he was talking, that Adam and Eve needed the tree of life. They needed it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have continued to live. So if you are a, a young earth or an old earth mm. believer, if you're an old earth, you're assuming that the earth and Adam and Eve were around for many, 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 many years, right? Possibly hundreds of years. And if sin brought death, did anything die prior to Adam and Eve? And if it didn't, it must have been living, if you're an old earther, for thousands of years. But is that true? Or did plants and animals die and 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 be recreated or regrow and when Adam walked the garden, did he kill the grass he walked on or did it not die? Was it alive all the time? Did everything just flourish with life? And if it did, was it only dependent on God? Or did God say that, that the grass will remain alive because there's water? The water remain alive because I'm going to add to that. Or, and so Adam and Eve needed to eat of that tree of life to sustain that life. And the moment they sinned and God said, you will die, did he mean physical death? Or did he mean spiritual death? Because would Adam and it, you know, this this is the kind of thing I'm thinking. In what sense did death exist prior to the fall? Did anything die prior to the fall, or was well, it just? I think when God removes Himself from His good creation, yeah. everything, the cosmos, yeah. then goes into downwards. But some would say death existed prior to the fall. Animals grew old, died. Like, you see, I, I'm, I struggle in one sense. I'm thinking Adam and Eve were 
unusually created because they weren't born. They didn't grow up as children. They were created as fully formed adults, yeah. giving the impression that they'd been around for quite a while, but in reality, they hadn't. No, because the creation was there. He says, when Adam and Eve was created, they'll name all the animals. Yes. So, so you get the idea that a young earther would say, well, there you go. It's a literal seven days. It's a literal so many years because things appeared older than what they were. Whereas old earthers would say, that's kind of difficult because we're getting more and more evidence that certain plants, rocks, hills, mountains, whatever, are thousands, millions of years old. So the seven days must have been periods of time. And yeah. so I bring all this in only because I'm trying to figure out what purpose was the tree of life in the garden? Well, if you look at them both, this is just theology on the hoof, number one. If you look at them both as metaphors, the tree of life being the life of God, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil is you basically going and trying to find your own way. Because he said, if you yeah, it is it, you'll die. Yeah. And sin, which is what it came into, is going against the law of God, isn't it? So when they took of the tree of knowledge and evil, automatically the sustainer of life had yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah. So that tree that was the sustainer that they were to eat from, which metaphorically is, speaking, yeah was gone, no longer existed. So God had withdrawn which is, from the, the yeah. garden. It was no longer Eden. They were outside well, of Eden. Well, they were, they were locked out of it, weren't they? Yeah, so the, tree, but the, tree, the tree of life then, were we saying that the tree of life did actually impart to Adam and Eve life? Yeah. Well, I presume so. And they needed, they needed that tree. So yeah. are you saying, correct me if I'm wrong here, that if they were created eternally, they didn't need to eat from the tree. So, so yeah, in my brain, when this, when this, when this friend of mine mentioned this, I'm thinking to myself, I, and it only then hit me. I've always believed that Adam and Eve were in inherently eternal. They didn't need to do anything to sustain that eternalness. It was just in them, and the moment they sinned, they lost it. But when he said this to me, I thought. Okay, so they had to partake of this tree to sustain the eternalness of in, their life. In what way eternal? Well, like, so let's say... Immortal. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, almost, yeah. So let's say Adam and Eve never sinned. What would have happened? They would, but, they would to me, they would still have need to sustain or to sustain life for them. Yeah, they, they, yes. they're not... Now, that, that's what I struggle with. I'm not saying, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that this is a conviction I have right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. but... My my thinking was, if Adam and Eve never sinned, they'd have just lived forever and ever. But they'd have lived there forever and ever because they could have could have partook of the tree of life and been in the presence of God, who sustained them. Yes. But in doing eating it, the other tree, the yeah. tree of yes. knowledge of good and evil, they were exempt yes. from. That. So I under I understand that that in a sense I saw the eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil as an end of their spiritual life. So well, he says they were they, spiritually yeah. dead. So they were disconnected. So I, I, I see Eden as a metaphor for heaven. Yes. God is with his creation, both the divine angels, divine beings, yeah. um, unembodied spirits, yes. and the creation of Adam and Eve. Yes. When Adam and Eve chose to go their own route, and they didn't eat the five uh, fruits to keep them alive yes. every day. <laughs> One a day, that was One the killer. Day, yeah. <laughs> So they went their own way, and yeah. suddenly they no longer stood in the presence of God, which was heaven. Yes. So they were outside of Eden now. Yes. 
So if we see the tabernacle as the Jews was carrying around with them for years and years, yes. this was the understanding of that was Eden. Yes. So, so eating of that fruit of the tree of life enabled them to sustain some kind of an eternal, yeah. eternal nature to their life. So much so that the first thing God does when they fall, apart from the obvious judgment and making animal skins, is that he bars the way to the back to the tree of life almost like the, oh so i'm thinking on the hoof here almost like adam and eve are thinking we're going to do what we've always done we're just going to walk over to the tree of life take the fruit because it sustains our life and god stops and says you can't do that anymore yeah. eternal life has ended yeah now you're finite you've fallen now the whole the whole ball game has yeah, changed yeah, yeah. So, so the cosmos completely changed yes. when they ate from that particular tree. We hope you're enjoying this week's edition of Theology for the Curious. Remember, if you want to know more, you can catch us on Instagram at Theology for the Curious. Or if you have a question, some thoughts, or just want to query something that you've heard us discussing on the show, why not email us at theologyforthecurious at gmail.com. We hope you'll enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, they were outside the presence now. They were they were outside of Eden. Yes, because even it says in uh, Romans that creation itself is waiting for the yes, that's right. So the creation interesting is thing is the interesting is thing is yeah. creation itself is let let's put ourselves pre-fall into Eden. All of creation is being sustained by God, so that the the fact that everything just grows naturally, everything just flourishes, everything just works, that's not because there is some foreign element in that garden that's enabling it to happen. God is sustaining it and making it happen. But with humanity, unlike the beasts and the nature, God says, between me and you, there's a... There's a um, there's like a, a sacrament, a sign, a symbol, and that is the tree of life. You have to partake of this in order to live forever. But this represents me in the life that I'm giving you. But he doesn't do that with the animals. He doesn't do that with nature. There is no intermediary, but it seems like the tree of life is like an intermediary. And that's what I think is fascinating. Mm. I think probably what's, what's also fascinating when you talk about young earthers and they were born, Adam and Eve were, were created as humans, yes. when they had, had children, they're probably thinking, what are these? <laughs> that's true, actually. Yeah. Never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, that's what? true, actually. Is he crying? We've made a mistake. <laughs> Send them back. <laughs> but you see that, so this is what fascinates me about the tree of life. Because as you progress, there is an element in which the tree of life is a symbol of Jesus, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We have to partake of Jesus to know eternal life. Yeah. Jesus said, this is eternal life. They may know you and the one you have sent. And then in right in the garden at the very end, it makes a particular point of mentioning the reappearance of the tree of life yeah. Yeah. with the leaves of the healings of the nations and yeah. blah, blah, blah. So this, the, it is a significant, but it's not significant in of itself. It's not like Adam saying, well, if God decided to vacate for a moment, we would carry on living because we've got this tree. It wasn't like the tree itself became the source of life. It was only like Augustine understood it as a sacrament pointing to Christ, if you like, uh, in that sort of pre-fallen estate, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Just going back to um, where the tree of life is, 
in Revelation 2 verse 7, it says, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I guess you could call that Eden. But yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so it, it's like they've reversed what he denied them yes. to fall. So in, in his book, Adam and the Covenant of Works, John Fesco uh, writes this. He says, while the tree of life is surely a sign of the covenant, this one tree only catches half of the nature of the covenant, namely the goal of eternal life. Taken together, however, both trees, tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil, visibly augment the covenant blessings and sanctions. The tree of life visibly represents the eschatological glory that awaited the completion of Adam's successful probation. Mm. Yeah. So the last sentence again. So the tree of life is symbolizing ultimately end time, ultimately end eschatological, mm. the glory that was waiting for him if he successfully completed his probation. Adam being the whole of the human race. Yes. Okay. So the idea is that in the garden it was a period of probation. Would he fail? Would he obey? Ah, and, and he had he not failed, the end time the end vision of it all would have been that he'd have shared in the glory and the tree of the knowledge he said signified the curse of the covenant that would fall upon adam and all his offspring should he disobey mm. the trees were both perpetual admonitions and remembrances of the probation our first parents were passing through and of the life and the death that waited on the issue. You see, there's that free will thing again, if he had not sinned. I knew it would come to <laughs> I just knew now. <laughs> I, mean, I even yeah. told him before, he's not allowed to talk about free will. You can't stop him, Pete. He's got free will. <laughs> just, I'm sure God has bum, determined bum. not for him to speak. Bum, bum. <laughs> so, yes. So, the, you know what I mean? So, there's, to be honest, I think there's just a lot more going on with the tree of life than I ever gave thought to because it's not one of them things. Uh, and I've talked to Christians who said, oh, it's, it's all about the tree of life, as if it's like the, the, one of the key things that we should be looking at, you know. And, um, and I think when I look at that, I think, okay, I can see the significance of it. I can certainly see why it's important. But I also think it is only, it's a sacrament, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think Augustine got it I right, think it's just know. like um, what comes to mind there. They're thrown out of the garden and the cherubim are wild things to protect them from gaining entry back in. Mm. Not ne not that he needed to put wild cherubim there in order for them not to come back in. Yes. But now we see through the history of the Jews and the tabernacle there, what's on the tabernacle? The cherubim. Mm. They could never gain access back in no. to what's in the tabernacle mm. inside, mm. which is God dwelling and living with them. Yes. Right through their hi history. Yes. Right until forced temple second temple mm. we see that there they could no longer go inside but you know i think it's interesting that the tree of life obviously had a key a key element in their psyche and their understanding because adam falls and he's well aware that everything has changed and he's feeling things he's never felt before hiding from god they're feeling naked all these things are very unique feelings but one of the first constructive things he does it seems even before he seeks to get right with God, mm. is he, he tries to make his way to the tree of life. And God has to stop him from doing that. 
and you think to yourself, it 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 kind of um, suggests that this was a routine thing he did, the et of this tree. But it's not like they et of it independently of God. You know what I mean? So someone said the tree of life was like an object lesson that was demonstrating the proper flow of life, God himself being the supreme. Yeah, otherwise so the tree would have been, look, we're well to the tree. Otherwise the tree would have been the savior, exactly. giving him life all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But it was, Which was a creator too. Yes. So in the same way as we would say breaking of bread, the wine, these are sacraments, whereas others would say, well, these are physical yeah, dependent. Yeah. I, you know, so you've got that argument that's been going on for however long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could almost see that the tree of life, even though it's not the source of their life, it is in a physical sense, yeah. they felt yeah, they needed to point. eat that. But ultimately, it's only an object lesson, a display, a sacrament of ultimately who is the supreme giver of life, which is God himself. Mm. So so I think all that, you know, um, is going on with as well. So the Bible Project, we mentioned this before when we talked about the Divine Council the other week, they have a little comment and they say this, up until this point, God had been deciding what was good and bad. For example, he declared his creation was good, Genesis 1.10, and Adam without Eve was not good, that is bad, Genesis 2.18. So this is this is a little bit touching on the, tr- the knowledge of good and evil. With humans continue to live with, will humans continue to live with God, allowing him to define and teach them what is good and bad? Or will they take the fruit and the power to define good and bad for themselves outside of God's wisdom? So this is part of the reason why they gravitated then to another tree, which captured everything that was negative. So the tree of life is this, I suppose, like Fesco said, it's the positive element of the covenant. This leads you to life now. And eschatologically, right at the end of everything, it will lead you to ultimate life and glory. Whereas the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is death now. And eschatologically, if you like, down the road, it'll be ultimate separation from God. And it's a way of saying, I can do this with my own wisdom and my own way of doing stuff. So both these trees represented both elements of humanity, yeah. if you like, which is quite an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. If you, you know, when you look at it in that sense, that tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and I think the biblical writers recall um, the tree's association with abundance, it says, to make the connection between living wisely and enjoying a full life. So you get scriptures like, Proverbs 3.18, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all those who hold fast about wisdom. Or in Proverbs 13.12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. So these are the pictures you get that the tree of life ultimately is this seen as this symbol of giving life, giving wisdom, giving joy, giving everything that God promises in the form of a tree of life, which, you know, again, it's a picture rather than, you know, yeah. Yeah, but I think I think all that is it's just an interesting idea of how we work it through. Robert Leatham in his um, systematic theology says um, God is the giver of contingent life, is life itself, and so communion with Him is communion in an exhaust inexhaustible and overflowing fountain of life. The tree of life is thus a sacrament, and implied promise is attached to it. Eating from this tree brings everlasting life the sign is appropriate to the reality for god is the giver of life being life itself and i think when you go through the new testament 
you can see very easily the connection it draws to Jesus as a tree of life. Because like the tree, he imparts life. Uh, like the tree, he sustains that life. And like the tree, for Adam and Eve, who were, in a physical sense, they were dependent on that tree, we are dependent on Christ for life. And without him, we don't have that life. For the word on the tree. Yes. It, it, it says he was the son of life, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. So in that sense, we get, you know, the whole idea. But um, yeah. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that episode as we just reflected on uh, something that, to be honest, I've been a Christian for a long time. I can't remember ever listening to a talk, a preach, a discussion. can't even remember reading a book about the Tree of Life. So um, it was interesting just to kind of delve a little bit into that and unpack a little bit of its significance. We hope you've enjoyed it. You've been listening to Brian Turner, Nigel Burnt, and me, Pete Golding. And until next week, be safe. Don't forget, folks, if you've enjoyed this episode of Theology for the Curious and you like the kind of thing we do here, why not rate us or leave us a review or follow us by pressing the plus button?